Jenny Carlson. I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. We have got so much OU football to talk about today. Epic win over Texas. Heisman Trophy race, which now has to include Dylan Gabriel. The Sooners' chances of making the college football playoff. But before we get to that, we want to say thanks to these sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. MidFirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. All right, let's get to this past Saturday in the Cotton Bowl, Barry. We said not just for weeks, but for months that we really wouldn't know how good this OU team was until the Texas game. So after a 34-30 win, how good are the Sooners? Really, really good. I mean, this... Uh, you can't say uh, this is uh, there's no test until Texas and then dismiss it after they pass the test. Sooners pass that test with flying colors. It's not a dominating victory, but you'll take any win you get at the Red River. Wonderful, wonderful defensive performance, clutch offensive performance, just a gutty win. Texas is really good, and the Sooners stood with them and won it at the end. What a what a spectacle. What a jump start to this second season of, of Brent Venables. The Sooners are in great position going forward. I agree. And, you know, the defense, uh, I, you know, I agree that they had a really tough, gritty performance. But this defense still gave up over 500 yards of offense. I didn't realize that until well after the game. It didn't feel like it because they had that goal line stand and so many other things we'll talk about here in a minute. But Obviously, when you face a difficult game like they faced against a really good opponent, an opponent that went to Alabama and won, beat a rated, uh, ranked Kansas team the week before pretty badly, I think this, you have to say, like you said, Barry, this is a good Oklahoma team. How good? We can discuss that. But I do think it's a team that now, Barry, has the door wide open to return to the Metroplex for the Big 12 title game. Uh, that seems pretty obvious with the schedule that these guys have, but what about that college football playoff? How does that path look to you? Well, I mean, I think beating the, beating the horns puts you in, in position. Now, Sooners are going to lose most tiebreakers. If they go 12-1, and one, they're going to lose most tiebreakers with other 12-1 and one teams because of the schedule. The Big 12's down. The OU's non-conference schedule, very weak. Sooners aren't going to get a lot of uh, a lot of tiebreakers there, but uh, at, at, at twelve and one, you take your chances. So um, and go thirteen and zero, and no, there's no questions asked. You're in. So I think uh, you know the, where the Sooners are is a fabulous place. We didn't think this was a playoff contender. Now it is. You just go forward and take your chances and see what happens. Yeah. And I think, you know, they may need some help. They may need teams to that are would be ahead of them as, as far as strength of schedule and quality wins and all those sorts of things to lose. But we've sort of seen that kind of chaos in college football in the last couple of years. Teams that, you know, we thought might run the table ultimately don't. So I think it's possible that Oklahoma could lose a game and still be in that conversation. Obviously, their brand is a huge benefit to getting in even with a loss. But I think if they get obviously if they're in that conversation back at the big 12 title game they would hope that texas is there they would hope that they get another chance to beat the longhorns in the big 12 title game that would help their resume if they could score another win against texas for the college football playoff conversation so i i know that 
Um, sometimes people say one time's enough, but that in this situation with the rest of the Big 12 looking like it is, another game against the Horns would do the best for Oklahoma's chances to get into that college football playoff. We talk about hey, this. That's, hey, hey, listen, that's a great point. Think of it this way. Same is true of Texas. I mean, the Horns need to 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 meet the Sooners again. So, oh, you oh you join the uh, the Bevo fan club, Texas. Join the Schooner bandwagon. So, everybody <laughs> get together and let's have some brotherhood going into Arlington. I'm pretty sure Brent Yormark, Brett Yormark, is not a fan of that situation, Barry. No, 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 <laughs> not a card carrying member of either club. No, no. Maybe Greg Sankey could make the uh, the trip across the Metroplex again and be there like he was on Saturday, Saturday, the SEC commissioner. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how that plays out. As OU returns to national conversation, they're led there, Barry, by Dylan Gabriel, OU quarterback. Clutch, clutch, clutch on Saturday. He's been really improved this season. And now there was talk before about him being a potential Heisman candidate, but now it feels legit, Barry. But how serious do you feel like his chance his chances are as a Heisman Trophy candidate? Well, he's at least in the running, and that's where you uh, that's where you need to be. Uh, he's got all kinds of obstacles in his way. Mainly, uh, his predecessor is the Sooner QB. Caleb Williams is doing nothing to lose the award. He put the Trojans on his back. Uh, as USC beat Arizona in triple overtime the other night, or maybe it was 32 overtimes. It was in the middle of the night when I finished watching it. But um, I think uh, it's Caleb Williams' trophy to lose. But if he does lose it, there you go with uh, Gabriel's at least in the running. So uh, that's that's a nice jump from a guy who a lot of OU fans were thinking uh, he'll lose his he'll lose his job by. Uh, you know, by midseason to uh, Jackson Arnold. But he's turned yeah. into a winning quarterback, a great leader, and a clutch quarterback. What he did Saturday, bringing the Sooners back in that last 117, that's the stuff of legend. That's He's going to live forever in OU lore for what he did Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. So uh, you do that, and you're, you're at least in the running in the Heisman talk. Yeah, and you know, Barry, it's interesting you bring up Jackson Arnold. I was thinking a little bit about him on Saturday. If for no other reason than two years ago, we saw the switch of uh, Spencer Rattler to Caleb Williams in that very game. We saw the epic comeback that Caleb Williams manufactured there in the Cotton Bowl. And it struck me that, yeah, we saw Jackson Arnold early in the season in that sort of specialty running package. You even wrote about that extensively after the opener, Barry, that this might be something that even deserves a nickname. We may see it enough that it's going to become a staple for the Sooners. And instead, Dylan Gabriel's the runner, Barry. He's the guy that's getting into the end zone. I mean, stuff that we never thought was going to happen with Dylan Gabriel, he's doing this year, which to me is remarkable. Listen, you know what's sort of the untold story of Dylan Gabriel? It's just how tough the guy is. I mean, you, you mentioned it. I can't remember uh, which game it was. Would have been the one before Cincinnati. It doesn't matter. Uh, you wrote about some of his running. Uh, but when you think of Dylan Gabriel, you think of shifting and scrambling. I mean, but at Iowa State, we saw him take on a guy uh, lowering his shoulder at the goal line and getting into the goal line. And then Saturday against Texas, we saw him tuck it up and go into the belly of the beast and get some things done. And then he makes some nice runs in open field. The guy is a, one of his teammates said this, and the guy's just a baller. And what he did uh, leading that team throughout the day, but particularly in the last few minutes and standing tough in the pocket a couple of times on that last drive, 
You know, uh, when the Sooners got a hand on Quinn Ewers, down he went. Texas Texas had some sack chances at uh, Dylan Gabriel, and he didn't go down. He got away. So that was one of the stories of the game is how Dylan Gabriel outplayed Quinn Ewers, particularly just in his ability to not succumb to the Texas pressure. Yeah, it seems like Quinn Ewers could have maybe been the uh, spoiler to the to the Pac-12 uh, Heisman parade. You know, it looks like a bunch of those Pac-12 quarterbacks are likely to be in that conversation. Now, I think if there's a spoiler to that parade, it very well may be D- Dylan Gabriel because he may get some big numbers coming up with the opponents that Oklahoma has left on the schedule. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, we've talked about a lot of forward-looking things. Let's stop a minute pause a minute and talk about Saturday for a second. Uh, before we even get to, to what we saw on the field, Barry, let's talk about what you and I experienced. We had all kinds of interesting experiences uh, with OU Texas, some traditional, some new. What stood out to you about your OU Texas week experience? Well, the, the great thing about OU Texas and, and Red River is this. It's tradition. It's not just the game. It's all the rituals that, that people of, of multiple generations have been doing forever. Um, you know, one thing uh, that's become a, 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 a ritual for me or a, a, an annual rite is uh, a variety of speaking engagements. On Friday, I spoke at the OU Club of Fort Worth luncheon. Been doing that about 15 years, something like that. And uh, this year, uh, they always have an OU dignitary who also speaks. This year, it was Joe Castiglione. And uh, Joe contacted me a couple of months ago, said, uh, hey, uh, we're both on the program. Let's do it together. He said, let's interview each other. So we, we got together for lunch a few weeks ago and we mapped out a, a strategy. And so, uh, uh, that was really cool. I, I asked Joe about his career and what made him stay at OU so long and how tough it was to, uh, on a personal level to leave the big 12, a league he helped form as the Missouri athletic director. And, and he asked me about my career and how I got into writing and my favorite stories and, I thought it went went really well, and a, a salute to Josie, who's one of the good guys in the business, really uh, understands the media and uh, attempts to work with, work with us. He can't always tell us that OU's going to the SEC. He can't always tell us, hey, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley's been uh, flirting around. There's things he can't tell us. He could tell us, Barry. He just doesn't tell us. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be wise. I, I could not in good faith recommend it, but... <laughs> Uh, but no, he's, he's great to work with. And that was embodied by that podium in Fort Worth. We were on the 40th floor, uh, of a, of a Fort Worth skyscraper at the Fort Worth Petroleum Club. And it was just, it was a cool setting for me, uh, for Joe to uh, include me in that. So I, I appreciate it. We had a great time. The cool thing about it, or one of the cool things was uh, as soon as it was over about one ten, at one o'clock. In downtown Fort Worth, about two blocks from where I was, the uh, Heartland Flyer pulled into into the train the train station in Fort Worth. It included two more dignitaries: <laughs> one Jenny Carlson and her daughter Millie. You guys made the train ride from Oklahoma City to Fort Worth on Te- OU Texas Friday. What was that like? Uh, tell me about the experience of riding the train to uh, to Red River. It was a new one for me. I've been saying for years I thought that would be fun to do and just never had a chance to do it. Usually we all sort of go down in mass with coworkers and uh, that whole thing. And it, you know, it was really fun because I didn't have to worry about traffic, which usually is 
you know, dicey getting into Dallas Fort Worth on a good day, but with all the extra OU Texas traffic, it only adds to the the mess. So I didn't have to deal with that. We rode the train. Um, it and it was a really smooth experience. We had a great time. Lots of OU fans. I even saw a Texas fan or two on the on the train, which I thought was interesting coming from Oklahoma City, Norman. People getting on there. A couple of people in their burn orange. I thought that was interesting. I truthfully, the one thing that I was a little surprised by, it was a pretty subdued scene. I thought it might be more robust, rowdy, uh, people sort of, uh, showing their, uh, their, their soonerness. And, uh, I heard one boomer sooner that came actually before we left the station, uh, in Oklahoma city. And that was really kind of it. Not a lot of cheering, not a lot of excitement, but you know, I don't know how you felt, Barry, but I felt like people were excited about the possibilities of this game on both sides. I, I, you know, Texas obviously came in feeling good. Oklahoma thought, well, this is a testing ground. So I felt like people were really excited across the board about what this game could be. But I don't know that I don't know that we could have anticipated the classic nature of the game that we saw. I don't think it's the best OU Texas ever. Where do you come down on what we saw on Saturday on the field in that game? Well, I thought it was a classic. I thought it was unbelievable. I thought it was memorable. I thought it was dramatic. I thought it was historic. And I thought it was only the third best OU Texas game of the 2020s. That's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, you go, we had a four overtime game just three years ago. We had an epic comeback with Caleb Williams and all kinds of dramatic, a walk-off touchdown. That happened in 21. This one was great, but for crying out loud, this series is set in such a high standard for quality of games that it's just, it's become the best show in college football. Yeah. I mean, I know we talk about a lot of other games, uh, the Iron Bowl, the, uh, you know, the whatever might be coming around, Michigan, Ohio State, all, all kinds of things. But there was a time when OU Texas sort of got sideways and it wasn't very dramatic. And those those days are gone. We've had we've had a run outside of last year's unfortunate event when Dylan Gabriel was gone and his presence was uh, quite noticeable. But uh, <laughs> we've had we've gone back ten twelve years where it's high drama every every Red River, including some of the best drama we've ever seen on the college gridiron. So, yeah. and that one Saturday was just it was just a fabulous game back and forth, back and forth. Um, the, the the winning probability, you know, ESPN does that win probability at any point in the game. You know, Texas has a 52% chance of winning. OU has an 84% chance of winning. I mean, that thing just swung wildly uh, throughout the day. So it was it was an unbelievable spectacle, just great football. And uh, came down to uh, to that south end zone right in front of the Sooner fans. And, uh, it you know, it, when Nick Anderson caught that winning touchdown, it looked like the uh, there were there were ten thousand OU fans within six feet of him. Uh, just you know, it was it was just an un, it's just an unbelievable spectacle. Yeah, the 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 stands seemed to come alive in that moment. Like they, I, it was it was a crazy scene to look and have him score right in front of all those people because just the jubilation from. From the from the floor of the Cotton Bowl all the way to the top, it was constant motion. People just cheering and going crazy. Uh, it was the same end zone that Kennedy Brooks ran into two years ago to score that that big win against Texas. So yeah, you're right, Barry. I mean, it was great theater, great drama. Oh, you gets the ball back with a minute seventeen. 
those that 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 time on the clock seared into Dylan Gabriel's memory. He mentioned that in post game um, with no timeouts. They've got no timeouts, and yet they figure out a way to not only get down within field goal range. I mean, we you see them get into the red zone, and you think, well, at least they're going to tie the game. But a pass interference uh, on Texas puts them in inside the ten. Two plays later, they're they're in the end zone with 15 seconds left. They actually gave Texas a chance to throw a Hail Mary that they had to bat down for crying out loud. So Brent Venables said after the game that that was the best game he's ever been involved with. I I don't think it's the best OU Texas game, like you said, not even of the last, uh, you know, since we turned to the 2020s, but it was a heck of a ball game. And I think that there's a lot to like if you're a Sooner, if you're a player, coach, fan, whatever the case is. But Barry, I got to ask you, in all the jubilation and excitement about that game, is there anything lurking under the surface that's concerning to you? Anything that stands out as, okay, that was a good game, that was a great win, but what about this? Oh, you know, the tailback run game still can't get out of its way. Um, well, defense, uh, the, the secondary is still letting receivers. I, I shouldn't say the secondary. The defense is still letting receivers run free. We saw Iowa State hit the Sooners with a couple of big plays. Texas <clears throat> schemed the, the Sooners into some problems. A couple of fourth down passes from Ewers to wide open players. But I think that was, that's going to happen. The days of, you know, beating somebody 17 to 7 and then punting eight times, that's not real realistic in the modern world. The key is keeping people out of the end zone. Texas had 500 and something yards. Uh, they moved the ball all day long. Some writer in Syracuse voted Texas ahead of OU after this game in the AP poll just because of the statistics of this game. Okay. But here's what I know. Texas got to the one-yard line early in the fourth quarter. Four, first and goal with the one. Texas still hasn't scored on that drive. Sooners turned them back three times with uh, uh, Jonathan Brooks runs, who's a he's a big time tailback. And then on fourth down, they went with the uh, quick slant to Xavier Worthy, who's a fantastic player. And uh, Billy Bowman or Peyton Bowen or one, I think it's Bowman turned him back at the at the goal line. Didn't let him get in. Unbelievable defense. Uh, I don't really uh, worry about yardage when I see that kind of defense. So fantastic yeah. goal line stand. So that, yeah, there's some things you can nitpick. But just the grit of that defense, forget the final score. The final score is fantastic. But even more important is the grit we saw out of that defense Yeah, shows that things have changed in Norman. Yeah, and that to me is huge. You know, it, Oklahoma, they had chances, Barry. If they would have, if they would have wanted, the momentum was definitely heading in Texas's direction in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I I really thought they had a chance to fall into their old ways, lose a, a one score game. We saw them do that a lot last year. I thought we were heading down that path again, you know, and when Texas hit that field goal, it felt like, okay, this is a familiar script, but the the defense did enough. Uh, the offense clearly did enough, and it was gritty both ways. So for them to win a one-score game a year after they lost so many one-score games, I think it speaks to the change that has come for this team. Um, I, that's the sort of thing that, yeah, they had to get better X's and O's. They had to get better execution. They still need to get better in some ways in, in execution. Like you mentioned, open wide receivers. You don't want that to happen on a regular basis. They got to get that cleaned up. But to figure out a way to win in that situation, I thought that was 
big time by Oklahoma and on both sides of the ball to make it happen. Because again, if you watch after that bad miss by Zach Schmidt on the woefully short field goal <laughs> from from that, maybe that's the concern, Barry. Maybe maybe that's the thing that oh, you should be concerned about. But after that point, things were heading the Longhorns' way pretty pretty drastically. So for Oklahoma to get it turned around, force them into a field goal, and then get their own touchdown, that was huge to get things turned there. All right, we got to yep. get wrapped up. But before we go, OU heads into a bye week and then a home game against UCF here in a week. Barry, put yourself in Brent Venable's shoes. What are you having the Sooners do this week with their bye week as they look ahead to not only UCF, but six consecutive weeks of games as they head uh, into the home stretch for, of the regular season here? Two things. One, relax. Take a breather. It's been a long uh, physical, but also mentally taxing stretch for the Sooners, not in terms of the opponents before Texas, but just sort of the pall that has been fallen on this OU program in the last 18 months. They went six and seven last year. People asking, what's wrong? Why do you guys stink? All those things. And then the questions before uh, the Texas game and, and just people wanting to know what, what's going on with this program. Are you going to get back? Are you SEC ready? All those things. I think a, uh, just a breather, just to take a, take a step back, relax, practice two or three times, but just let the guys enjoy that victory because this has been a tough climb. On the football side of things, you, you referred to it. Kicking game. Get the kicking game fixed. A punt was blocked for a touchdown. You know, you look at Texas scored 30 points and you think, oh, it's a pretty good offensive day. Texas offense scored two touchdowns. If you allow the opponent two touchdowns, you ought to win easier than you won in, on Saturday. That blocked punt early in the game, turned the tide, kept the Sooners from dominating the first quarterback, first quarter, fix the special teams. There were some other miscues on the special teams. Get those hammered down. Find a kicker that you can count on to uh, to uh, reach the uh, goal line on a, the goalpost on a 45-yard field goal. If that's Zach Schmidt, if he just mishit it, whatever, you got to fix all that. But special teams, to me, right now, is the biggest problem. Yeah, that was not a that was not a good situation to see him miss that uh, forty five yarder again. Not not a situation of a ton of wind on Saturday. Um, just really did not get into that one at all. I thought that was really troubling. So yeah, Sooners got some work to do on special teams, but I think yeah, just kind of um, you know continuing to work on those basic things that they have been working on for for weeks and months, um, you know, looking at that film that receivers were getting open. I think that needs to be a, a point of emphasis, but you know, just letting guys, I think bodies heal, rest mentally, physically, um, you know, giving them a chance to get ready for a stretch run that now Oklahoma's, I mean, Oklahoma always has a, a target on their back just because of the name on the front, but now being a team that's in this national championship race, big 12 race, going to be even more so. So I think giving these guys a chance to really prepare for their final six weeks without a break, I think that's going to be really important for Oklahoma. Well, that's all the time we've got this week. If this is the first time that you have heard us here at the Jenny and Barry Show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever else you get your podcast. And if you like what you hear, leave us a comment and we'll, uh, we'll see that there on YouTube as well. We've got a lot more Sooner coverage coming up on Sellout Crowd, so you can find us at selloutcrowd.com or barrytrammell.com or jenny-carlson.com. So you can find us there. 
Find us uh, all uh, on all your uh, channels for your favorite podcasts and shows as well. We'll be there uh, with all of our other sellout crowd buddies. So thanks for joining us this week and we'll see you next week. <laughs>